Decades ago, so prophetic, love to change the world. World's changing pretty quickly these days. We try and comment on it, stay on top of it, keep us ahead of it, and put us in a position to make as educated and informed decisions as possible in these upcoming perilous times. I think that's a pretty accurate introduction there on the 13th of February. 2-13-20 is the date nomenclature. Today, Roger Sales, your host, and a various other number of duties here simultaneously at a confab we call the radio ranch because it's a get together of all a whole bunch of us sitting around a campfire drinking coffee and whatever at the old people's patriot network i guess that's the ranch so uh anyway here we go off on a thursday edition dp calls in right there before the show as usual and uh, so welcome along, DP, and whoever else wants to call. I think we're going to be expecting and entertaining a call from one Harvey Wysong here pretty quick. DP, you wanted to say something? Yeah, Roger, I, I thank you for uh, uh, taking my, my call, but I thought maybe I would stand by in case that I had a, a report from the Fontana Hog Ranch. Uh, in case well that'd Rhett be good it, but that may be good those may be necessary you know the, that that uh, before they got the coronavirus they had the swine flu so you're in a yes. place that may be susceptible to it we ought to have string reporters around uh <laughs> you know paul was talking about that yesterday the uh when he was on i guess it was yesterday wasn't it yeah yesterday was wednesday yes, miraculous miraculous in spanish uh yes, paul sir. was talking about these uh Groups on Telegram. I, I, I've been. I've used Telegram. Some of us use. We, uh, Stephen, uh, one of our good listeners, sent me a couple of things on concerning China. Actually, this morning on Telegram, it's an interesting app. We used it in some of the CyberCoin stuff that they, because it's it's got bots on it. You can you can inter, interface with bots on it, and they have different groups. And he was talking about how what they've got now on these groups is different areas of the world with local people that are taking whatever local news happens and translating it into English and putting it on these groups. So you're getting basically like a like an old network where they used to have string, what they call stringers, uh, uh, reporters yeah. out all over the place that would bring them all the news. And, uh, and that's what this is, is once again, the market is dictating it. Decentralization is allowing it. And uh, market forces and uh, the uh, nature abhors a vacuum. We've had a monopoly on news for a long time. It's shaped society. It's put us in the condition we're in. People are realizing that. They're utilizing the Internet to do things like that. I thought it was real clever. I didn't get a chance to comment on it because of the briskness and direction of the conversation, etc. But I had that in the back of my mind as it was happening just yesterday with Mr. Paul English. Um a couple other things have happened. There's very interesting the way this coronavirus thing um, is uh, uh, is developing. It's developing real fast. Uh, there was uh, just think with this thing we just started talking about it like Friday before last, and all of a sudden it's enveloped the world and it's got some things that are happening that show you the potential 
all reaching far effects of whatever the heck it is and wherever the hell it came from. Okay. Uh, yesterday, of course, you know, the condition in China, I should drag up that telegram thing. Although Stephen, the source was Hal Turner and I have a automatic bias against Hal Turner stuff because he was proven in a, some sort of a court engagement to be an FBI informer years ago. So I'm 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 very jaundiced on anything that I see with his attachment there. Pardon me. Um, something that did happen that was on Zero Hedge yesterday after the show. Of course, everything in China shut down. We've talked about it. Ninety uh, percent of the export uh, sector shut down. I think eighty eighty five percent of the factories, etc. China's the sweatshop of the world. Not only yep. for receiving goods, using oil, all these critical things, but also for their uh, fact that they're this booming market that's gone from. Wouldn't I see they've gone from at the turn of the century, they've gone from four uh, um, tr- trillion to forty trillion dollars in debt in like a short amount of time, you know, relatively. Yeah. So they're, they're loaded up on debt. It's been this huge emerging market. It's the mercantilism nirvana for the New World Order because they had all these peasants that were all under a communist form of government anyway, and they could turn them around and make them in. Basically what they did with the U.S. when they built the U.S. up uh, uh, after in the 1800s, after they got their hands on the levers of power there in the background, and they let everything build, got control of the money, and uh, uh, started the wars, made it the industrial power, the world's reserve currency, all that stuff. Well, you can uh, akin that, liken it to somebody buying a cow and putting it out in the back and fattening it up for slaughter. I mean, it's exactly what they did in a metaphor, and uh, that's what they've been doing to China. And that's why with the amount of people to move a country from those the, 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 the depths that they were at in the peasantry up to a middle-class country where people are wanting Mercedes and Porsches and, and, and all this stuff that's gone on with China in the last 20, 30 years since it was opened, okay? So anyway, just to set the stage for what that article mentioned yesterday and its importance. Now, the president two days ago is getting up there and going, this is going to be great for the economy of China. He made that public statement. It was in a headline on Zero Hedge. Okay. And so what happened yesterday, day before somebody opened up a factory and it had 200 employees. And so all the employees came to work and of course they all got tested and one of them was tested positive. So they, they quarantined all 200 of them and now they can't go back home. Okay. So how many more factories you think can be opening up in China over there? Uh, big, uh, the world's biggest wireless. I think we could all agree. I, I think I could make this blanket statement. I think we'd all agree, especially since we're utilizing it right here, that wireless is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Big deal, right? Yeah. The, the world's biggest wireless convention, annual convention, was canceled yesterday because of the virus. That's right. 
Okay. So these are the repercussions that are the ripples in the pond that people hadn't even thought of. You're thinking about wearing a mask around, not going in public. Well, hell, all these huge potential things are happening in the background. Okay. The other thing is China uses one hell of a lot in all that industrial activity there, like a bunch of damn ants in an ant bed. Uh, they use an awful lot of the world's oil which has come to a lot of the problems over there in the Middle East and Iran, and they got contracts and tied in with Russia. All those, all those tie-ins and all that background, well, all of a sudden, all those factories are closed and all that oil ain't being used. And oil is, of course, we've heard the petrodollar. The dollar was partially backed. Most people would tell you it was backed by oil. Well, it wasn't. We know what backs it, us and our future industry. All right. But, but that, it was a component and a very large component with the agreement with the Arabs in the early 70s to go back and recycle the dollars through Wall Street, and they would only accept dollars for their oil. And that was the partial basis of the dollar's stability and its power for many decades. All right. Well, that, that, of course, is eroding and has been with Russia and, 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 and the Iran situation has been going on for years. And all of those things, well, China ain't using any more oil. All their stuff's shut down. So now the price of oil, which underpins the whole world economy, the, remember back when it was $100, $150 a barrel? Well, I don't know what West Texas crude or any of that stuff is, but it ain't anywhere near that. Okay, I think it's probably in the forty-five, thirty, forty-five, fifty-dollar range or something. Well, if the bottom drops out of that, the the whole over underpinnings of a lot of the economy is going to go with that, and that is, of course, directly tied back to all the debt that they've got leveraged up from here to Pluto that we're having to deal with now, but in a lack of liquidity. So the whole thing is so tedious, and it is really, really so intricately tied, and it's all rotten. Every bit of it's rotten to the core, and this could very well bring it down. It sure is ominous from a lot of different angles for as I think about it, see it develop, et cetera. Okay? So obviously it's going to be something that's going to continue to happen quickly, and it's going to be far-reaching in its effects, and we're going to be forced to talk about it. Okay? Yeah. So anyway, that's what my knowledge is to the – uh, uh, it, at this point, it's somewhat isolated. They're saying that China unreported, uh, let's see, there was something about a, a, a 15th person uh, in Japan was diagnosed or something. So it, it's right now really isolated to China. We don't know if it is one of these viruses that may be ethnically oriented to some specific ethnic group. They can do that. Uh, we'll see as we go forward. It's, it's, it's pretty hairy. So anyway, uh, interesting topic, interesting situation. Um, yeah, be glad you're not in China. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on other fronts, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for Mr. Wysong, the, yes, the notorious Mr. Wysong to call in. He, I talked to him briefly here right before the show, just to double check. And uh, he, gonna, he was in the middle of something with somebody else. So he said he's got his timer on. He's going to whatever it was set for. Or when he finishes whatever they were doing, he's going to call in and inform us about, I believe the substance is called BHT. Yeah. Boy Howard Taft. Uh, and I don't know. 
I know a little bit about it enough to say something that's stupid, so I won't say anything at all because I know Harvey knows a lot about it. So we'll hear about that when he comes on. I got the lead, actually, from our good listener, Kay. And Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, mentioned yesterday, she's had, I believe, uh, shingles. And I turned the put those two together because the stem enhance which has helped her with her shingles a lot by the way she she says and uh, uh but she had a long conversation with harvey and this came up and she incorporated it into her her regiment and uh, evidently is pretty high on it so i wanted to find out about it because it has some potential anti-corona effects so we'll see about that See, the other thing yep. I wanted to mention, nobody else wants to call in today. That's unusual. I guess Christmas being child court or doing something, no telling. We'll hear from somebody. It is that Thursday day where we can really talk about stuff, and it seems like it's just different to me. Thursday seems different as a host. Uh, I've got through the early part of the week. We're past Wednesday. I know Brent's tomorrow, and it's kind of like, whew, you know, the intensity of the week is somewhat downhill from here. Uh, but uh, if you would like to call in, you're certainly welcome to. I did want to say what I did yesterday afternoon, spent a little, little bit of time doing, not too much. It wasn't too painful, and it wasn't too involved, DP. And that was, since nobody else is going to do it, I uh, got on the Internet and put in U.S. District Court Salt Lake City. And oh. a nice little page popped up with all all kinds of different contact people and numbers and stuff. So I picked up the phone. It said clerk of the court. Picked up the phone, got a recording. It said something about state court and then or federal clerk. And I hit number two. And uh, even though my reception, the reception was poor at that time, unfortunately. Uh, internet something probably. I don't know on her end or mine. But uh, anyway, we were able to converse. And... She's a very nice lady, and uh, I said, I'm looking for some information on a case uh, that has gotten publicity recently out of your district there, and I told her that it's American Samoa and the birthright citizenship, and so she wasn't, she, I think she was familiar with the case, but she's clerk. They got a lot of stuff going on out there, and so I went over and pulled up the article. And as I was reading the article, he gave the judge his name. So I said, it's a, it's a, the case is Judge Waddups. And uh, she said, oh, Judge Waddup. So she goes off. She says, wait a minute, please. And she goes off for, I don't know, a couple of minutes. And uh, I was hoping we weren't going to get disconnected, which occasionally happens uh, with these calls back to the states. And she comes back and gives me uh, both attorneys' uh, contact information. And the Samoan, American Samoan attorney, because of his name, and I think I've seen him not, his name in the two articles we've had on it, uh, is out in Washington State. And then he's got a counterpart with an American name that's in D.C. And so I, uh, I called out there to the American Samoan guy and got his answering machine, and I just left a message. And uh, kind of, hey, you don't know who I am, but I got some information that deals with your case and uh, this, that, and the other, and its importance, and uh, my website and uh, whatnot, a little, little bit of other background, and uh, haven't heard back from him yet. Don't know if I will. 
um, might have to might have might have to throw another another call into him or even call the guy in New York. But I wanted to initially reach out to the American Samoan. I think I told yeah. him he had his hands on the on on the uh, the keys to the matrix and just didn't understand because there's no way he can understand what we do and that yeah. this was a uh, 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 based on a book and a hundred years of three men's research. So we'll see. I hope he calls me back and uh, yeah. I, I'm, I just feel moved to reach out to him. And um, this has been bubbling under for a while, for years since the plebiscite and this, that, and the other, and the other case that went to the Supreme court didn't receive certiorari. And, uh, now it's coming up again. And she said in the conversation, she said, Oh, you know, that case has been appealed. And, uh, I didn't ask any other questions. I said, yeah, I knew it was up for appellate. Actually, what the article said was the judge had made a, Oh, I guess a, a, a preliminary quote unquote decision, but knew that it, and left it open for well, we talked about it yesterday, uh, amicus curie, basically, briefs. They call them friend-of-the-court briefs and appeals, and it has evidently been appealed. And it will maybe get heard at the appellate level, but if it gets appealed further than that, it won't be heard at the Supreme Court, I guess unless the appellate level ruled in favor of birthright citizenship. If, if the appellate level would rule in favor of giving birthright citizenship to the American Samoans, I believe the federal government would uh, uh, apply for certiorari, and I believe it would be accepted by the higher court, the Supreme Court, and I believe they'd rule against. I believe they'd rule against it. Interesting. Excuse me, I did the cough button there. So. Uh, should the case proceed that way, I w that would be my prediction on the course of events. Now, let's see here. Come Here comes the aforementioned Mr. Wysong. Awesome. Here he comes. Let's see if we can merge him in and see how Skype and the engineers are doing today. And he merged seamlessly into our conversation. Harvey, welcome. Bienvenidos. Hey, how are you, Roger? Ah, bien, bien. Yeah, did you see that juicy Smollett? <laughs> there's a there's a few interesting things happening out there, uh, like things like that, aren't there? The turnaround on yeah. Smollett. Uh, there was another one. Tucker call, talked about two of them. I don't remember what the other one was last night, but I I know one thing that's going on is there's a travesty of justice going on against one Roger Stone. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and General Flynn. Um, yes, also. And, yeah. and and Manafort and what was the other one? And they're all, you know, all those lawsuits are just designed to get Trump because they, they rub shoulders like uh, uh, taking someone's children and torturing, torturing them in front of him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pathetic. Uh, are you around? Are yeah. you at the, Are you at the house? Uh, I'm at. I'm over at uh, my brother's house. Okay. It, if there's any way you could get a little so, closer to the router, uh, if you, if he's got a router, he's here. 
on the other end of the can you hear me okay i hear you but you're clipping a little bit and i was going to ask you if you if he's got a router there that you can move closer to it may correct that a bit if you're a bit away from the router so if you can do that great and if you can't we'll forge ahead oh we're not doing so well huh no, all right. it's all right. Uh, it, it's 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 acceptable, but it was clipping a little bit. So, and I I strive to get as good a okay. fidelity as we can, you know. So anyway, sure, sure. Well, I was up in the, I went up to get on Skype with the laptop, and I was up in the attic, and I think uh, the router's down in the basement. So I'm I'm on the main floor now, and All I'm right. closer. Well, I can guarantee you it's gotten better, so good enough. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, well, I was just, oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know if you are listening, but I did something yesterday very, oh, I could say offensive, and you could take it either way you wanted to. Uh, on the offense <laughs> is probably the accurate meaning. And um, trace down the attorneys for this American Samoan case that broke this week. I think I sent you a uh, uh, the news article on that and them wanting yeah i read that well i got a hold of the attorney at least i left a message for him yesterday i got his name through the mm-hmm. district court there in salt lake and uh so we'll see I, I i hope maybe we can stick our foot in there and show these guys and just as i was speculating right when you called in it is on appeal. It's on appeal out of the district court, which the way the federal court system structured means, of course, it goes up to the uh, the the appellate level. Is some people say the first place you can get real, real law. For one thing, I've heard it said. But uh, yeah. in, in this case, out of Utah, and I know from John and Glenn's experiences out there, uh, the appeal is to Denver to the Tenth Circuit, and so if for some reason that the Tenth Circuit would rule in favor along with the district court ruling, I'll bet the federal government would appeal it to the Supreme Court, and this time the court would take certiary and rule against it. Mm. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, uh, good. I was afraid I was on mute. I'm not, right? No, you're fine. And you can hear me? Yes, and it's better, okay. too. Thanks for moving. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that would be wonderful if uh, if they would be forced into it. Um, of course, I think, I think this court now is a little bit more reasonable, but with that Robert sitting in the chief's chair, uh I, you know, I, I still don't sleep well at night. Well, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter who was sitting up there because they couldn't rule in favor of the birthright citizenship because then it exposes the scam. That's the problem. Let's see. Now, let's see. We got two Skypers on. Chris is calling in, and we'll see if he'll merge in with two Skype callers on. Okay. Okay. Now, no. Now, no. We know he will not. So I have now to, because of the Skype, Microsoft engineers. Now I have to initiate the call back, and call Chris back, which I had to pay extra to be able to do. I didn't have to use to do that. There was no expense. But when they screwed up, I've had to do that and change my routine and all kinds of other hokum that goes along with it, just to overcome a 
typical Microsoft deficiency. Chris is back with us through the miracle of Microsoft. Chris has now yeah. joined the conversation. Chris, I guess we'll have to go back over it. I con I contacted, got the contact information, and contacted the uh, American Samoan attorney on that case yesterday. Now I haven't heard back from him, so I don't know. But that's what we're talking about, okay? And speculating that on the appeal and the clerk of the court told me the case is under appeal. And if it goes, that means it goes to Denver to the 10th circuit. Should they rule in favor of the district court and uphold the ruling? I guarantee you. And that's what we're speculating about that. The federal government would appeal it to the, to the Supreme court. And this time, instead of refusing certiorari, like they did a couple of years ago, when it came out of the DC appellate level, they would take it and that they had to rule overturn the ruling. And the reason is because the whole scam can't work without this. And that's what I tried to get across to that attorney. Now, here's a guy calling in cold, leaving a message on his entry machine saying, you don't know who I am, but, and, uh, I said, basically, I, I'm, I, I can't imagine you knowing this because it's taken a hundred years and three guys to figure it out from our end, but you got your hands on the edge of the keys to the matrix. Because that's what it is. This American Samoa thing is at the center of it. That's why they they planned that thing. They were setting it up, and we know from that article that the uh, they the American Samoan government ceded all sovereignty to the federal United States in 1900. That was in the article. I'd never known that before. Okay. So, yeah, I saw that. Uh, and so they got a hold of them. They ceded all the sovereignty. So all the decisions since the 1900 to leave it in this way is with the federal government. Well, they, because it's the whole centerpiece of the whole scam, they had to hide the original status. They, they're not powerful enough to do away with it with a wave of their wand. Okay. They can't wave a stack full hundred dollar bills and wave that old status into obscurity. They got to hide it. All right. And this is the well, center pin that allows the dollar to become the world reserve currency and everything that goes with it. Without this, the they didn't have the, currency. without this, they didn't have the, the collateralization power to fund the, the wall street and the monetary system, which is what this is without this, they couldn't sell bonds because just the, just the land of the United States and the resources wouldn't back the amount of bonds that are out there. It has to be backed in the futures market off of future labor. And that way it's unlimited. Okay. And the tie in for the bonds is this, because this allows them to put this system in place and make you property from birth, which is of course, represented by the birth certificate in the form of an, a warehouse receipt. That's it has two. there's an equivocation in the birth certificate. One of the equivocation is it's a document that represents your birth that has all the vital information on it, which all of us think that's what it is. The equivocated position is it's also behind the scenes, a commercial document called a warehouse receipt, which has yeah. been used from Babylonian times, evidently, which actually in that usage, in that context, takes on the qualities of the good. 
So the reason in the process that when it spit out at the Bureau of Vital Statistics, and as Brian, as Brian Howard was told by the lady in the basement of the hospital in Austin, Texas, it is sent to the Vital Statistics, the birth certificate is generated from the information relayed, and it's put in a safe that has armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because they're warehouse receipts. And in after your birth, you're technically, legally in the safe. Okay? Well, now, hold on, Harv. You're, I'm, I'm, we're not getting anything you're saying there, bud. Well, hold it. Now we, there he is again. Did you go back up in the attic? Hey, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Yeah. Why don't you call on, yeah. try calling in on the phone line? Okay, I'll and, do that. And I'll and, and I'll have you'll call in, and I'll have to call you right back. But I think it might be better than this. Hopefully, okay. Okay, that'd be good. I see you, man. Okay, man. All right, we'll see if we can correct the problem that way. Chris, how you doing? Good. So anyway, that uh, that's why this American Samoan thing's real important. And I went ahead and pick up the ball, and and uh, hopefully that guy will call me back. If not, my plans are I can call him back and leave another message, or I've also got the American counterpart, his co-counsel in D.C. and his contact info too. I did not show throw him a call yesterday. I thought I'd just start with his first one, the American Samoa. He's got more skin in the game. Yeah. Here's a little sidebar activity that is salient that operates on this. It's kind of like inside baseball, if you will, is a term they like. And uh, the seeding that they talk about, uh, Samoa to U.S., that has to do with the sexual sessional acts pursuant to petition for statehood. When a state wants to come into the so-called federal union, or a corporation, as the case may be. At 1900, I think they were already a corporation, but uh, they may not have generally known that everywhere. Uh, they have to cede all unceded lands that were not already granted, owned, occupied to the federal government. Mm. And then the federal government then cedes back a certain portion of those lands or at least gives them back to the state, reassigns them, if you will, uh, as a condition of statehood. So they have the Article 1, Section 8, uh, Clause 9, uh, or 17, excuse me, Clause 17, um, needful purposes of government, of uh, munitions, stockpiles, schools, uh, parks, uh, about, et, cetera, et cetera. How about this phrase from the Georgia Constitution? Forts, arsenals, and needful buildings. Yes, you're absolutely correct. I'm not looking at my notes. I'm just speaking extemporaneously off my head in my recollection of my research and my own defense of my own private grants of land main patent, which I may have another round two coming up in the near future in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm hoping to talk with Ron about that whenever we, uh, if I have the opportunity to meet up with him. Uh, March. Yeah, uh, March 1st, by the way, we ought to, uh, uh, and it's in Kingman, Arizona. That's all I know. I've got a 
flyer on it somewhere. I know there's some information. Maybe we'll get Ron on here again soon. I've been meaning to call him and follow up on those calls in last week and just haven't. Um, you, uh, I wanted to get into what you said about the process of statehood where the, the, where the territory, because it's not a state yet, has to cede all the land, you said, back to the federal government. And that's what it alluded to excuse me, alluded to in that article that the American Samoan government ceded all sovereignty. Well, I guarantee you, I've looked at American Samoa on a map, and I can promise you that at that time in 1900, there wasn't any land that wasn't somebody didn't claim on the little island of American Samoa. So they ceded it, if you're correct, to the U.S. government. They said they ceded all their sovereignty, but the U.S. government didn't take it and put any federal land there. They left it in the hands of the American Samoans so they could pull this scam off. And that's what Harlan was commenting on in Downs v. Bidwell. Now, I don't know if the Downs v. Bidwell controversy came out of American Samoa specifically, and I haven't researched it or read the case. Do you know that, Chris, information? Background on I'm Downs pretty v. sure Bidwell? I'm reasonably sure it was some other location other than Samoa that had to do with Downs v. Bidwell. The topic, although broadly generally related to Samoa... No, no, no. no, no, no. Hold it. Hold on. There's two islands. One of them is Samoa, and the other little bitty, little bitty compared is American Samoa, right on the eastern side. Right, American Samoa, Swains Island, you know, all these different right. little but, uh, uh, dots in the ocean. But it's, well, Samoa ain't no dot in the ocean. It's a pretty big island next door compared to, compared, uh, look at it. Just go put American Samoa in a search engine and get a map of that part of the world and look at it. It's amazing. I didn't do that till about a year or so ago one day. And, I mean, I was shocked, really. It's a little bitty, looks like an almond over on the edge, on the eastern edge of a pretty good-sized island, which we still have a relationship with, uh, Samoa. But it is not, uh, it's not in the territory. They got American Samoa, and they went through all these gymnastics to set this thing up to pull this scam off. Well, absolutely. The deceit and, and treachery that's occurred with the so-called representatives of government and other outside agitators that want to take control of this country and have hated us with a passion since the civil, so-called Civil War, the uncivil war, uh, the War of 1812 and the other ones, uh, are really just a horrific attack on the American ideals, the culture of freedom and liberty that was spawned here on this uh, piece of land. It has been a pain and in the posterior of the Roman Catholic Christos Church and the Synagogue of Satan uh, since its inception because it gave a thought, an idea in men and women of freedom and liberty, of owning their own destinies, of being able to be entrepreneurs, of having the freedom to uh, excel and to, or fail if the case may be, but to take self-determination over their own lives in the lives of their family and their offspring was an ideal that was so important to them because it's foundationally spiritual in nature because the Creator wants us all to take self-responsibility to excel and to serve Him. 
Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get Harvey back with us. Will it let me add him? Spies these people okay. No, it says no. Can I add him? Let's see if we'll add Harvey in here. Uh, looks like we might be going to. Let's see. Uh, I don't have anybody else in my database that would be Harv. And see, I I got him on Skype, but I'd rather not call him back on Skype because we were having problems with it. I swear, you people. I despise these people. You want me to look up a phone number for him? No, 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 no. He should be in the database. It shows him coming up here. Harvey with us? Harvey. Well, come on, ring through, do whatever you're going to do, or get the answering machine or something. All right, let's see. Let's pull that off. Yeah, what? Well, you're looking for oh, me. Pardon me. I get aggravated. Go, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was only going to say I could kind of update you on what transpired yesterday with the court finaglings uh, of the administrative uh, hearings in these so-called family courts, DCFS and like, these are really diabolical. Oh, oh. I think we got Harvey came on here. Harvey, I tried to call yeah. your number back and it wouldn't ring through or something. I don't know what's yeah, going on with these people. Yeah, Roger. You got a radio on the background? Heather Rogers. Okay. Now, hell, we got the same situation. I can't hear you. You you can't you can't hear now. Me. Well, now I can. Now we got you. Try again. Try no. Try talking again, Harvey. Okay. Okay. Ten two. Okay. I am talking again. Uh, well, it's you're loud and clear now, Harvey. You can, I'm reading you loud and absolutely clear as a bell. Okay, good. Okay, so we were off of waiting for you to come back in. I'll tell you what, while you got limited time and you're doing other stuff, you told me, and what I really wanted yeah. to query you about is came up with this coronavirus stuff and an email from our mutual friend Kay who mentioned specifically BHT. And she said you had oh, yeah. told her about it, and I wanted to get some information on it rather than do all the studying myself, which I know you've already done. Okay. Are we playing? Uh, I, I hear something running in the background. Huh. I don't. Um, no, I don't hear anything like that here. So, okay. <laughs> I tell you, you never know. One day to the next right. with this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis, it's unreal. Uh, so we just have to deal with it as it comes. You know. Okay, I'm. I'm with you now. Let's, um, yeah. All right. Um, uh, as to the BHT, all right. BH, BHT is a, it's an organic molecule. It's, um, in the class of aromatics. It doesn't mean much to most people. 
but it's, let me, I think I've got two things going here at once that I need to, there we go. All right. You settled? Say, Harvey, when you say aromatic, do you mean volatile organic compounds or something along those lines? Well, aromatic means that I, I didn't understand. I, I didn't quite understand that, but uh, aromatic compound is something that has benzene as a starting starting point. But it doesn't matter. Here's here's the important stuff about it. The T BHT is a lipophilic chemical. It means a chemical that loves fats. Okay? And it has been found to disable or help the body get rid of uh, the herpes families of, of viruses and the uh, cytomegalovirus. And there are other viruses, but I don't know whether the coronavirus is one of those that that, uh, let's see. Nope. Um, I don't know whether the cytomegalovirus is one of those that, uh, I mean, yeah, the coronavirus is one of those that is disabled by BHT. I wonder if the coronavirus um, is, I wonder if it's disabled by um, silver. I don't know there's a good chance that it is, but uh, there is in the research literature, uh, there are papers published, and this has been around for a while, uh, stating that coronavirus is killed, uh, if you can use that term with the virus, usually disables the, the term of choice. I mean, yeah, preferred term, but uh, but but I keep hearing myself and on about a five second loop. It's not. We're not hearing an echo on this end. Is the, is you got okay? I'm sorry. You got a, a radio on in the background there somewhere? No. Maybe Skype's still on the background on your computer and you're on the phone? Would you, Harvey, did you just go away? I think he might have had it running in the background there on his phone. Let's see if he calls in or a second or I'll reach out to him. Uh, you know, I'm, it, it, I'm, when I say there's something new every day here in this technical challenge, I mean it's every day almost something new. Um Let's see if we can get him again. 
Uh, live Harvey there, Harvey there. Let's hit him Harvey there, and we'll call him back. Thank you, Skype engineers. You absolute. Uh, they must be HB1 visa guys, man. Uh, they're bringing all these foreigners <laughs> in. It, I, I, it, unbelievable. Look, the program ran fine for over 10 years, man. Over 10 years. Probably Section 8200, if I had to guess. <sighs> okay, well, hopefully we'll get Harvey back on in a minute. Um, let's see. Thanks. Um, why don't you get him on instead of tell me who's on, you idiots. While you're uh, grappling there for Harvey... Uh, this kind of has an interesting sidebar relation to the Samoa situation and the political nationship, if you will, uh, because the case yesterday that I was over in DCFS has two Filipinos involved, the mother and the son, and of course the father is married to the Filipino woman, and they were pretty seriously involved, and uh, we studied it all, and studying for Supreme Court decisions that relate to political status and debt collection and other things. That's kind of what got them into the cahoots with the FBI terrorists and others of the Joint Terrorism Task Force and um, got their child seized from him when he was about 13. He's almost 15 now. And um, it was alleged that the young man had made the allegation unsubstantiated as it were that he had been physically but curious Roger go ahead there we go Harvey is that you again yes it is I again all right Uh, are we hooked up we appear to be but one never knows I think so. See if we can get look. See if we can get through this BHT thing, and you can go on off and do what you were doing and need to do, and and uh, we can quit all this confusion. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's very interesting and timely, though, with the Corona Princess out there sailing around. Harv, can you talk? It shows you're on with us. I'm not hearing anything. Can you hear me now, Roger? I, I hear you now, yes. Okay. Uh, the uh, l- Let's uh, look at the coronavirus uh, question. Uh, of course, you know it's many thousand times greater than what the Chinese are admitting. Yes. And looks like the same is true of North Korea. But uh, someone sent me a paper showing or claiming that the that the coronavirus has a preference for Orientals, uh, or am I supposed that's to say Asian? I don't know, whatever it is. That's what uh, I, heard. I heard that too, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that it. Uh, <clears throat> it's another one of those uh, white man plots against 
other people. Well, I will I tell you, it came up from True News, pretty reliable source, on Twitter yesterday. One of the listeners sent it in, Chuck, that in October of 2019, a, dr- a drill for this exact situation was done at John Hopkins, and it was sponsored by Bill and Melinda Gates. I believe they said another organization, World Bank or something, and a uh, outfit out of England. And Paul was on with us yesterday, Pilcher or something, and he said, yeah, it's about 50 miles away. It's the weapons division of the U.K. Oh, boy. Well, uh, there was some research that was published in peer-reviewed journals showing that coronavirus is is inactivated by uh, chlorine dioxide. Hmm. And chlorine dioxide is used in water purification and all this. And what the subject of the test was, uh, will chlorine dioxide treatment eliminate the coronavirus in wastewater plants? In other words, what's passed out in feces or urine, um, uh, will it disable the coronavirus in that waste? Excuse me. And the answer was resoundingly yes. I don't remember the precise times on it, but it was a very quick kill. Didn't last long. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've gotten some uh, some chlorine dioxide. You have to mix it. You know, it comes in two parts. There's uh, sodium chloride, which the uh, naysayers describe as a bleach and there's also a dilute solution of hydrogen I mean hydrochloric acid Um, now your laundry bleach is sodium hypochlorite and what is used to make chlorine dioxide is uh, sodium chlorite not hypochlorite but chlorite and there's a reason they have two different words and that is they're two different chemicals Mm -hmm. and they don't behave the same Mm -hmm. and so uh it's a very dishonest uh attack against chlorine dioxide but when you find uh something that's just about as cheap as dirt that will knock out the need, the alleged need for uh, millions of dollars of medical treatment and looking at the country as a whole, billions of dollars, then, yeah, you're going to demonize it one way or the other. I've taken chlorine dioxide by mouth, and it's just, you know, I follow the instructions, and I did just fine. And... uh, a friend of mine overseas uh, has done the same thing, and we're we're both very happy with the results. So uh, I've given my supply to my sister-in-law to uh, to treat uh, uh, shingles infection that just doesn't seem to want to go away, and. Uh, I haven't talked to her lately to see how she's doing, but 
I think it is a good thing to have on hand for, you know, SHTF. Uh, really a survival attitude. It's used in water purification. Uh, I've drunk it. Friends of mine have drunk it. There's a good bit of stuff online about chlorine dioxide. Uh, so I'll tell you what I'll do tonight, if I can remember. Uh, I'll look for this uh, manufacturer in Tennessee that uh, packages it up and will uh, sells it in the proper dilution, both the both the sodium chloride and the hydrochloric acid are diluted, and you just make it mix an equal number of drops of the two. I was going to ask if they come in a liquid form. Yeah, it's form? it's uh, it's got two drip tip bottles, and uh, it, it's pretty well controllable. Sometimes you get a little more out of one bottle than you wanted to, so instead of taking three drops, you got four in there. Well. It's pretty easy. Put another drop from the other bottle and you're back in the proper ratio and you didn't want four drops. You only wanted three. Well, don't drink it all. You know what I mean? It's pretty, pretty simple. You have or to put add, this. Add more water. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's not the dilution. What you do is you take, uh, for me, for me, what I was using was three drops at a clip and that was just sort of a maintenance dose, not a therapeutic, not a heavy therapeutic dose. And so I put uh, three drops of each in a, a clean, dry glass, and I'd let them react. And they would be a color change. I think it's supposed to be amber, but, you know, I'm colorblind, so I don't know what it is. Could have been blood red for all I know. <laughs> you just um, knew it changed. Yeah, it seems, yeah. And, you know, as a kid, I was cursed with this these eyeballs that let me see just enough color to think I could see color and didn't realize I was colorblind. Uh, it's a good thing you didn't come into the world loaded up with artistic talent or you may have been in some sort of an artistic genius with those, that combination. Yeah, <laughs> could have been. <laughs> but, uh, but when I enlisted in the, the Navy, part. when I enlisted in the Navy, I had to, of course, have a physical. It was uh, pretty, pretty slack physical. But I was in the Navy Reserves while while I was in, still in college, and uh, remember the corpsman giving me that color perception chart. Well, I'd never heard of this thing before. I didn't. I'd never taken one didn't know a thing about it and <clears throat> and we got finished I think there were 15 uh, charts on there and he closes up the book after we're finished and picks up his pen to write into my medical record he says man you are colorblind aren't you the colorblind what do you mean I said I only missed two of them he said <laughs> He started laughing. He said, missed two. He said, you only got two. <laughs> he said, and one of them is a dummy to see if you're lying. 
<laughs> oh, so I got one out of 14. <clears throat> I said, you mean you're supposed to see the numbers? And he, and you know, it's just, it was so pathetic. I know this guy was going, where did this man come from? Can we return him? Can we muster him out of the Navy with an honorable and just let it go? You might could have gotten uh, 4F out of that and not gone to Vietnam, you know. <laughs> if you well, had played I, it right. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go to Vietnam. So I know, I that's know. why I got out of the Navy and into the Marine Corps. So, uh, you know, don't throw me in that briar patch. Testosterone, testosterone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, and I didn't realize at that time how much the government was lying to me. Yeah. And uh, so, but anyhow, uh, back to our our color change. Uh, we were in a color, color change at the bottom of a glass when we left you. Yeah, and and it gives off a gas. Uh, that you can smell, but you let it, you let it, uh, react for at least 20 seconds and maybe a minute. <clears throat> and then you add three or four ounces of water and chug a lug and that does it. And, uh, it's a, it, it tastes a little weird. Uh, but it's nothing horrible. And, uh, I mean, it's not made by Baskin Robbins, you know, All right. All right. or Ben and Jerry's. So, so uh, uh, it's, but it's uh, highly effective against viruses. It's supposed to be effective against, uh, highly effective against malaria. And, and uh, a lot of people claim cancer. But I don't know about all of that. This isn't, this isn't that stuff they're calling MMS? Yep, Miracle Mineral Syndrome. Uh, MM. Okay. Yep. So this is the same Miracle. thing? Yeah. Oh. Didn't put that together. We talked about it the yeah. other day. Somebody called in talking about it, Samuel or somebody. Uh, Cody's joined us. Let me see what Cody's got on his mind this morning. He's getting pretty good about calling in and merging and immediately putting his mute on so we don't hear him driving to the office. Hey, Cody. Well, I guess he doesn't want to talk after all. He just wants to listen. Uh, okay, Harv. Well, I didn't put those two together. If I, I, I would have had a little better idea. Now I understand what you're talking about. This is the thing that was developed by that guy over in Africa. Against malaria well, or something originally? No, he was working. He was working down in South America. Then he took it over to Africa and tested it on malaria cases there. I see. I was uh, right. kind of. <clears throat> yeah, that's the same guy. Um, oh, had his name for a blink. Uh, anyhow, he's sort of a weird dude, but uh, he came up with something good. So I'm not gonna. No, don't beat Come. him up. Don't beat him up. No. Well, he's got this. Uh, this. He's created some religion that is, uh, you know, he calls himself a, a bishop or a pope or a, I don't know what else. In this uh, church he invented, reminds me of Scientology. Well, let's, and, not, let's leave all that to the side and just concentrate on yeah. the scientific prowess. Well, putting this the, together. Uh, 
I have a feeling that uh, it was done because of government uh, pressures that gave him some First Amendment protections. But yeah, uh, possible. But but the stuff does have post. Anytime something's denounced by the American Medical Association and the CDC and Big Pharma and Little Pharma and everybody else. Uh, you know it's got to have something going for it. I'd, I'd agree with that statement. Sure would. Samuel's joined us in here. He's usually got something he's bringing to the table. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Roger. Morning. Yeah, I've taken up to the uh, therapeutic dose of that stuff to 15 drops, which is what's supposed to kill malaria 95% of the time. I guess actually 98. Humble said that only like 2% needed a second dose to wipe out the malaria. Um, but that is mixed with um, citric acid or uh, the sodium chloride is mixed with citric acid from my understanding. I just wanted to clear that up. Harvey? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I couldn't hear. He said, he said that his understanding was it wasn't hydrochloric acid, it was citric acid that was mixed in there. No, you can do it with citric acid as well, but hydrochloric seems to give the better results. There you go. Oh, really? So what I, what I bought uh, was hydrochloric, dilute hydrochloric and dilute sodium chloride. Okay. So you could get us... Yeah, uh, I was- Get us this guy's contact I was information. So into it. Get... I bought a whole pound of the sodium oh. chloride. Oh, you did? Well, Harvey's going to get us this guy in Tennessee that's doing these diluted uh, uh, kind of tinctures, it sounds like they are, and tincture bottle with an eyedropper. That's how you get it? It's, it's just, no, it's, it's a drip tip bottle. You know, you turn it up and squeeze it a little bit. How many? And how, what size do you get for how much money? I don't. I don't really know because it was given to me as a present. I see. And, uh, uh, but it looks like it's about four ounces. And, you know, you're talking about three drops a day. It'll last you till you're 85. Yeah, pretty good uh, while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put that out on the air and I'll, I'll stick it at the end of the show description on CastBox when you get me the info, Harv. And okay. And try and follow up because... Like you said, that it's a good thing. I've got some around here uh, uh, that somebody good. sent me when I was in Argentina. I've never used it, but I've got it. Um, good. So, uh, anyway, good deal. There's an e-book available about how to use it, and you're familiar with Kerry Rivera, are you? No, I don't think so. Oh, I'll send you her stuff, too. She is... Uh, uh, sort of in exile. She'd been using chlorine dioxide to uh, help autistic children. Oh, I think you mentioned her the other day. I know you're talking about now. Yeah, it had an unbelievable success rate, right? High percentage. She had, she's had success. And uh, uh, anyhow, she, she's a very vocal advocate of chlorine dioxide. Okay, good deal. Well, Harv, you can stay with us, but if you got to go do other stuff, and I know you're involved in something, I, you know, certainly uh, we'd understand. So yeah. uh, I was going to give We're you ahead. the option. 
we're adding a bathroom and at my tender young age i'm sweating copper pipes overhead so okay. all right uh, my brother has me uh oh. enslaved in the sweatshop who's that charlie so charlie no we're, we're sweating copper you so it's you would, Charlie? No, no, Gordon. Gordon, all right. Well, beat Gordon up. Tell him to be a little more gentle slave master, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, okay, I'll send you that stuff. All right, thank you, Harv. You bet. Bye-bye. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Harvey Wysong, very special friend of mine. Amazing how we met. We've been friends for many years. You can hear the quality of person he is number of you, such as Daryl, they live fairly close to each other and have met and all that stuff and developed relationships. And Harvey's just one of those real unique people from a real unique family, okay? And they're all go-getters and uh, fine, fine folks. So happy the good Lord crossed our path so many years ago, and we've got him as a resource here. Uh, Cody, did you drop off, or who's with us? Samuel with us? Who's, go who's on there? I'm still here. Chris is there. Well, you're somebody else is there. Samuel's still there. Shows him. I don't know what happened to Cody. Uh, you you wanted to add something a time or two during that, Chris. So now's the time, bro. Well, you know, I was really just amazed at the knowledge and the efficacious utilization of non-standard, not approved by the a medical murder association, American murder association, and uh, the, the so-called dot terrorists uh, out here that like to uh, keep the money coming in so they don't like us to use natural or inexpensive things that can help us. And so uh, Cody's contributions, Harvey's contributions, uh, they, these are absolutely invaluable uh, to learn about these secret things that are uh, basic, fundamental, that actually work, actually mitigate serious circumstances. Maybe they cure things that they don't like to cure. <laughs> well, there's a whole new friend of mine called me this morning, another one of my old and dear friends, don't talk too much, and he keeps wanting to show me this product that his wife's been using for about a year now that's all on frequency, and it's all done through cell phones, and a company can program all those frequencies and stuff. And uh, I know that stuff works. We got Katcha, you know, our good listener Katcha, who's uh, I know had miraculous results of that machine. She went over to, got out of Germany about a year, a little better ago. And there's all kinds of cutting edge stuff out there. And I have a feeling that situations like the coronavirus is going to stimulate more research in those areas. And it'll target those specific examples. We're at a really exciting time. Um, be blessed and and be grateful that we're in a situation where we've got the kind of knowledge and understanding we've got about the way the world works, about how it's structured, about what reality is, what reality isn't, and enabling us, as I always say, the end result here to me, it seems, is that the more input of reality you can get, the better position you're in to make better decisions about the future i mean that kind of seems where the rubber meets the road for all of it to me what say you chris roger reality is just another word for truth and we get to speak the truth here we don't have any commercials we don't have to sell your ear 
We just talk about whatever pops up from whatever sources we've got with freedom and liberty to speak about anything, and we do speak about anything and everything, and we speak about topics that a lot of people don't do. We investigate law. We investigate so-called medi sin or medicine. Um, truth is what we seek here, and we, uh, we are suspect of everything. We question all, and we try to find evidence to support it. Well, I think that is what we do. Uh, the aforementioned Ketcha out there in Idaho in the western part of the country sent me a website. I'm assuming it pertains to her activities, and I will, dear, be glad to give it out over the air. But i got to move up close to it where my old ancient eyes can see it to make sure I give the right address. It looks to be like qrmedic.com. Let me double-check that. Ah, you see, Q-R-S. Q is in queer, R is in Roger, S is in Sam, medic, M-E-D-I-C, like it sounds, dot com. So you can go over there and check that out. There's some really attractive, there's some extremely attractive, very happy people on the front page of that site. Yes, Chris? I remember the Q in the QRS is quantum research or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the acronym stands for. I've heard it before. Yes, sir. Well, QRSmedic.com is the ticket, so you can go over there and see those people smiling and not very attractive and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what else is going on? What we're talking about? Well, there's more. Huh? There's a very, ap- very apropos uh, Mormon song they teach over there. If you see a frowny face, do not let it stay. Turn that frown upside down and smile that frown away. I think that's a great plan. Well, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, a man's about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. There you go. Quantum Research System. Don't hiss your S's, Roger. Quantum Research System. Uh, Let's see, what else is happening that's interesting and topical? If you've got anything on your mind that's interesting or topical you'd like to bring to the table, we'd certainly like to invite you to participate. You can do it several ways. You can dial the old standard dial where I'll have to call you back. And if you're new, I don't have a profile identified with you, so i got to get a piece of paper and write the number down with my tired old eyes and then call you back. So it may take a couple of seconds. Sorry, you can thank Microsoft and their engineering team for that. Or you can, again, go to, if you've got Skype loaded, go through the process of sending us a handshake, which means putting PPN, People's Patriot Network, that's what that stands for, a hard space, the word hotline. It'll pop right up and send us a little little emoticon that waves, and I'll okay it, and then we can call, and you can call in. Usually pretty clearly and seamlessly. I don't. I guess uh, Harvey, like you said, he was up in the attic and the router's in the basement. So uh, sometimes that can have a detrimental effect on fidelity, you know. And uh, anyway, we got it straightened out. And I, I love to have Harvey on the show. I just Harvey is such a special guy in my life, and we have been almost instant friends from the minute we ever met. Okay, and uh, it's it's, guy. Yeah, he's a. He's quite a guy, Harvey Wysong. He's a man of many talents. He's a great, he's an absolutely fabulous carpenter with his hands working with wood and stuff. 
I will I, come on, man. Anybody that can patent a sawhorse, come on. I mean, that doesn't that say it all? You can patent a sawhorse. Do you know that, Chris? Did you I hear one? Pardon me? I may have seen this sawhorse saw at uh, the convention center a few years ago. A better sawhorse, saw if you will. That's a pretty, uh, that's an important piece of work for a tradesman. I'm not sure if he had it out there in Vegas, but he did, came up with an idea. His father was a uh, inventor, and he came up with an idea on how to how to different make a different type of sawhorse. And where you can replace the boards you saw through, it gives you a lot of leverage. They made a video about it, and they actually went to uh, Lowe's and got a deal with Lowe's there in the southeast region to test market it. But it came in a kit. And so they bought a bunch of kits, and they distributed them to the Lowe's stores, but there wasn't a salesman there to demonstrate it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it didn't really show sales potential in that approach. And so, uh, but they've gone back to the drawing board, I think, trying to do something with it. But just the point that after all these years, somebody that could come up with a different angle, different enough to get a patent on it, on something as basic as a sawhorse, it just speaks volumes to me, you know, <laughs> about Harvey. And, of course, of through the last 10 years, we had had a lot of contact because he took care of his mother until she died at 106. And it's a lot of along that path is where he learned a lot of this medical stuff from doing research to try and elongate her living. Uh, so quite a guy, one of the real neat people I've met along the path. I'm happy to be able to incorporate him into the program from time to time and have him call in. Well, building a better mouse trap is a secret of success, I heard, and he seems to have done that on a couple of different occasions and. You know, I would observe that Harvey is an artist. He just practices a different form of art, the healing arts, the med- the uh, um, building arts. You know, I, I've been up in the attic soldering pipes before. I know about that. I watched them doing it in the big boys up in the um, old, the uh, Wynn, Las Vegas, when they had that big pool and stuff. I had them soldering pipes right outside the rooms that project the 3D high-definition video projection systems on the wall of the waterfall back there, and this was some pretty high-pollutant electrical stuff up in there, uh, big uh, Barco video projectors, and um, it was just a really interesting thing because I would watch these guys while I was working there out of the corner of my eye and take it in and watch their methodologies of how they got successful welds or soldering on all their uh, silver soldering usually uh, on their pipe joints so they wouldn't leak. And that's what Harvey's doing. And then I've been up and around the attic and having to reroute pipes because he had a leak underground. So I'm intimate with that concept. Yeah, man. So, yep, jack of all trades. Uh, Chris, have you, you know, we mentioned a story. I saw it and read the story, and we talked about it. It's outside of Vegas there, kind of in your wheelhouse because it's electrical on that big solar field that's being built out there where the, um, where the mirrors rotate with the sun and it, and they all focus back into one central location. It drives the steam, drives the generator. Do you, uh, any, have you heard anything on that or has it made any progress or do you know anything about it? Well, I, I'm pretty sure that has to do with uh, Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi and their group. I hope not. Uh, I, 
called a heliostat or something along those lines. I can't remember what the exact name is, but basically it is a collector up the top and all those mirrored reflectors reflect the sun, concentrate it, superheat the medium, whatever the liquid is that they're utilizing, and it creates steam, and they use that to drive generators to make electricity as kind of the concept. And it's heliocentric for sure, sun-centric, if you will. And uh, I know that Nancy Pelosi's philosopher's husband is a contractor, and he's done some underground uh, geothermal stuff, and I think he does some solar stuff too. You know, all those big wigs that the representatives are lining their pockets off the backs of the American taxpayers, uh, strapped as they will, and stealing money from the government before the wheels come off. Well, all these guys have known for a long time that energy was the key to control in the future. That's why they control the oil market. This is... I just thought that was a particularly brilliant idea and concept, and I'm very curious. I mean, it could – you don't want those damn thieves and bandits with their hands on it exclusively with a monopoly, but that could really solve an awful lot of power needs. It's a quite interesting concept, and the technology we've got is with, has developed to a point where you can pull it off and automate it and keep all those – I forget how many mirrors were in that field – for people that may not have heard that show, it's a project outside Las Vegas with, as Chris said, it's got a central tower, and it's got a sweet spot in the tower of uh, so many feet up above the ground for so many feet, and each one of these mirrors is individually calibrated and computerized to track the sun from its particular angle and focus. How many are out there, like a 1,000 or more? Of those mirrors, who which are pretty good size. I okay, I don't know the number, but I know they're parabolics. So at least right, they're parabolic. They're they're curved, and so they can really concentrate not only individually, but when you get the mass of them. And I think there's over a thousand of them, Chris. It seems like in my mind, and they all concentrate on that sweet spot on whichever side of the tower that they're calibrated to uh, uh, focus on. You can imagine the heat that's coming out of that. Well, out south of Las Vegas on the way to Kingman and beyond, curiously, uh, the Hoover Dam or the Boulder Dam, as the case may be, you pass one of these projects off to the west or right side when you're going south, and uh, it's quite an impressive array of panels. I'll tell you, there's got to be, oh, I guess there's close to a thousand, maybe twelve to fifteen hundred. It is huge. Yeah, maybe more than and, a thousand. You're right. Well, the concept of this heliocentric sunset of uh, heating water or some other medium, maybe salts or whatever else that's more effective at absorbing and carrying the heat and dissipating for longer, maybe lowering the flash point or a point where it pollutes and steams and boils over. Of course, they have to have safety valves on there uh, to prevent overheating, and yeah. something does for the eject water uh, to cool it or to maintain the cooling. They may run it through a plate and flame heat exchanger. It may be superheats. You know, but what I do know is it's a very sustainable concept because you use the same fluids over and over, recycling them, and as they're cooling off and condensing at one end, 
there could be some side benefits of the collapsing steam. Uh, the supercooling that takes place whenever it dissipates uh, may have some other side benefits you could glean, but the generation of electricity power is king in the valley of the sun it seems like it, there is an intermediate liquid and i don't remember what the liquid was but it would rise up and get heated up at that around that focal point on the tower and it would send the heated liquid back to a reservoir where it would dissipate the heat and that's where they'd utilize it um you know as i think about it I'm sure there's a lot of expense, especially in going up and setting up the prototypical ones. Um, but it's got to be a hell of a lot safer long-term, probably more productive than nuclear. Um, I saw a thing on nuclear power years ago on public broadcasting, and one of the facts that came out of that, it still sticks with me, and I hope that they can replicate it here. Um, and what the program did was go over different countries in the world and the way they approach nuclear power. And the thing that stuck out at me from the documentary, this is probably in the 80s maybe, um, that there was only two nuclear plants in the United States, and there's quite a few at that time, that were built on the same plants. They had contracted a number of different companies, and they'd all done original designs, and there's nothing that's interchangeable with our nuclear grid, where, on the other hand, France had taken one basic plan and improved on it with every plant they'd built and duplicated that same plan with improvements. That's why you don't hear any nuclear accidents, per se, out of France. Well, one thing that I observe is truly that solar-centric, heliocentric uh, system that you were talking about before is thermonuclear because thermonuclear is what the sun is, a thermonuclear generator. However, another thing that I learned that I was not aware of previously is they have a better nuclear source fuel called thorium, and it's a lot more manageable, a lot less dangerous, and a lot less polluting to the environment and it has the same energy-producing effects. However, it appears the GE, uh, Gamma-L, or Gehenna's uh, electrics um, reactors that they chose and built all near water resources on the coast in a lot of areas and where it was the most dangerous as opposed to least dangerous, I think by a devious device, were absolutely I think that designed to devised and engineered to fail at some unknown or predictive time in the future, in my discerned opinion. Wouldn't surprise me, Chris. Gary just sent me a video on how to make parabolic mirrors out of space blankets. Uh, you can go on YouTube. That's the name of the, the video, how to make parabolic blanket uh, mirrors from space blankets. How to make parabolic mirrors from space blankets. Looks fascinating. I'll tell you one thing. Tuesday, when uh, we got finished with the show, you know, and that's the expat lunch day, so I got a whole bunch of stuff to do and get out of here to make it over there at an acceptable time, not be too late, be more than fashionably late, put it that way. Um, I got out, and we're, we're in our winter now, supposedly, and um, went out to do my Uber thing, and I called up Uber, and I walked because the little place I'm at is, is more difficult to find. If 
And so I walk out to the nearest, I, I call it an intersection, it's just right up there, and wait for him there because it's easier for Uber new people to find it. So I walk out there. I leave my house and start walking out the driveway in the little roundabout way I have to walk to get up there. And, man, I looked around, and this is probably now one fifteen, one twenty, local time. And there was not one single cloud in the sky anywhere. And usually at that time of day, at this time of year, the heat is with, at 8,000 feet. It, it, it warms things up enough. If there's any moist air in the area, that evaporation turns into clouds. And we've usually got cloud cover in the afternoon or puffy clouds or something around. But that day, Tuesday, it was absolutely crystal clear, blue, with not one cloud in the sky anywhere. And it's beautiful. Uh, and I'm telling you, in the afternoons here, with no clouds at 8,000 feet, buddy, that sun gets hot real quick. Okay? And uh, a lot of people around here, the natives, walk around with umbrellas. Um, so anyway, I can only imagine that apparatus with the concentrating the sun's energy through parabolic devices at this altitude. Yikes. I think it's called that a sunbrilla in that application. <laughs> yeah, well, you need it. I mean, you can get, uh, uh, you can get pretty severely burned. I learned that, um, I haven't done much traveling, or I should say I've done very little, and only once have I gotten even out of the area since I've lived here uh, for whatever circumstances. But we did go up on one Christmas day, first year I was here, to a little day trip that's real popular around here. It's called Papayarta, and it's about 45-minute drive. It used to be a three-day three day ride to get up there uh, with horses or something, but you can get up there in about 45 minutes now and it's to the east and it uh, uh, over on the east side of the Andes, of course, is the jungle. So it's on its way to the jungle and you get up to the top of the Andes there and it's this whole series of hot springs. And this Papayarta place is uh, developed as a big tourist thing for a long time around here, 100 years. And, but it's real nice, and they've got seven or eight different pools, and they're all rock-lined, and they've done a lot, of, a lot of real nice. You can walk around them. There's a lot of people up there. And, but every one of the pools are naturally different temperatures. And you work your way up the hill through these seven or eight pools, and when you get up to the top, man, it, it takes a hell of a man to get up into that little hot one at the top. But it's all natural. It's really beautiful. But if you go up there and you're laying in that lovely pool in this lovely setting up at the top of the Andes, nestled up in this little valley, and you lay there thinking how wonderful it is for a few minutes, you will be cooked like a lobster. <laughs> okay. They so, call that boiling frogs. <laughs> you get a lot of UV up at those altitudes under that circumstance. But, boy, that's a really pretty place, Papayarta. Uh, supposedly got a lot of healing medicinal stuff in the, uh, in the water, sulfur and all that stuff, too. We had a volcano go off down here the other day, last week. It wasn't oh. a big eruption, but one of our guys, you know, with all this wonderful way to send videos and take stuff with your cameras and send it to everybody in the world, uh, about 90 miles to the east of Quito, once again, towards the jungle there, 
and somebody was driving down a road and this volcano just well I, you know you say eruption and you think catastrophic but it was a sizable ejection of smoke and then a secondary blast behind it which went up several hundred feet and uh I was thinking of all the activity you got around the ring of fire right now. We've had a lot of eruptions down in over on the other side of the ring in Malaysia and those areas and uh some uh up up around Alaska, some rumblings, a lot of earthquakes around there, especially in Southern California these days, little minor ones. And then there was a volcano that uh started erupting, I believe someone told me in northern coast Costa Rica here about a month or so ago and that's what i thought that picture was was the costa rican volcano but it wasn't it was here so uh in this vicinity so i'm expecting us to get some activity out of all these changes that are coming and we're moving into the global solar minimum and that's gonna uh, cause more of those types of earthquakes and, and and volcanoes the people in the know say and uh so we got coronavirus, volcanoes. You know, it's the real biblical wars and rumors of wars. Well, keeping in the spirit of the dualectic, I would observe that we're having a global solar minimum and a global solar maximum, environmentally speaking. And the environment is planet Earth, or Earth as the case may be. And it looks to me like the, um, the equator or the circumference of the Earth uh, is the ring of fire, and we have fires of political nature and culture war breaking out all over the planet, along with economic war and maybe some bad weather besides. And you don't have to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. What they say, what they call it in the Bible, the, t the time of Jacob's troubles? Uh, I think we got Yacht. Jacob means chisel, chiseler. Uh, hopefully, it'll be the time of Esau Edom's troubles, because Obadiah's on the tip of my tongue, and uh, I, I I just want to see these guys get some comeuppance. Every time they're getting exposed here lately with all their nefarious stuff, it's just you know another brick in the wall. You know, our time is. Uh passing away rather quickly this morning, as it usually does when we have so many different things to talk but address on this show in the morning. But I did happen to take some particular notice to the termination of about 70 of the uh, high-level secret senior executive service, SES, AAUSAs, in the so-called security services. I think 70 of them uh, were recently discharged, and some of the attorneys on the Roger Stone case, three, four of them quit, and one of them absolutely resigned completely from the services. And this is a rather interesting comeuppance, and it seems to be some fallout and dissension between the extreme penalties they were, um, I think, loading up on Roger Stone compared to some others that were comparatively similar in what they did that got a few months' worth of incarceration. They're trying to give him seven to nine years, and it caused a well, lot get, of well, fallout. Tucker Carlson talked about it last night. He was calling for a presidential pardon, and I think he's right, and I think Trump will do that. But he was going over some of the statistics, and uh, they gave him seven to nine years. And if you're a rapist, you get out in three years. <laughs> And if you commit armed robbery, 
you get out in four or vice versa on those two, and they were going to stick poor Roger Stone in there for lying to some comedian about his dog or something when the guy knew whatever he was saying he wasn't meaning. So what Tucker was making the point of is that they are trying to still hang the any legitimacy from the disgraced Mueller report Russia probe on Roger Stone. And if they can get him in jail, it makes that whole thing somewhat somewhat credible. In somebody's eyes, I don't know who, maybe and theirs maybe or their minds, but uh, regardless that that's a lot of the motivation behind it. It's a sad situation, man. If Trump doesn't step in and pardon him, I'm going to be real disappointed in him. This is exactly the same thing they're doing to Trump, same thing they're doing to me. They're projecting their crimes on the victim. Uh, it's, it's a projection tactic. It's trying to frame the blame on the victim. That's what Nancy uh, Philosopher, uh, Nancy the Ripper, called the rap. Uh, whether it's RAP or WRAP, I don't know, where you tap your victim with the crimes that you've done, and then you project that they've committed the crimes to cover up the crimes you did and to basically see why you're A and do damage control being caught red-handed. It's RAP front slash WRAP. It's a wrap. It's crap is what it is. Yeah, I agree with that. No arguments there. Uh, let's see, last half of the hour on the old Thursday thing. Anything else worthwhile discussion? If any of you got one, but, 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 if any of you have anything on your mind you'd like to call in and put out on the air, we'd love to entertain your call. Uh, otherwise, I guess Chris and I, and uh, maybe we could even refer back to DP if he's not out at the hog farm and uh, see what's going on. Anything else provocative on your mind, Chris, uh, that has uh, well, titillated you since yesterday? I think. We should go back to the situation talking about political status correction and changes and the effects, the jurisdictional implications. These are things that uh, foisted themselves rather noticeably yesterday in the uh, administrative hearing master proceeding that I was in uh, with the people, the, the Vincents that I was uh, attending and have been on for quite a few years. In fact, I'm also in the process of developing a rather sophisticated uh, affidavit in the form of a bar notice of violations, egregious violations of grand jury fraud by the district attorney who uh, withheld inculpatory, exculpatory, and impeaching evidence from the grand jury that I provided direct first party competent knowledge of concerning the domestic terrorist Kenneth Mead and associates of the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the SS, the Stasi, the Secret Police, the KGB, the Brown Shirts here in America. And it was really quite noteworthy in that courtroom yesterday, which I was front and center and had uh, ADA hearing assistance uh, headphones on. And uh, they had to separate it up. Of course, they always keep us to the last. Uh, I have found this to be a tactic that the deep state and the uh, bar cons. It's standard operating, uh, every, it's standard operating procedure to hold our cases till the last. Yes, pattern, practice, and custom. They habitually and serially do that to make us be punished, to steal our time, and keep us waiting on the real torturous benches out uh -uh. until our case is called. And that ain't the only reason. <laughs> they don't want your case and any of that information coming up in a courtroom full of defendants over there hearing it. 
Oh, that's exactly right. That's a circumstantial denial of American due process of law and an open transparent hearing in front of the people having a witness to see what's really going on by letting them all go first. It negates the possibility that anybody's going to stay behind except for people that have a vested interest in critically I mean, observing. Let's face it, you're in there for some kind of charge or traffic, you know, traffic cattle court or whatever, and you get yours decided. The first thing you want to do is get the hell out of there. You ain't all interested in sticking around. Generally speaking, that is correct. You know, I have stayed around on a couple to see what else is going to go on and to maybe mask who I was there for on occasion to keep from being directly related to a particular uh, targeted individual that might be there that I might be watching for well, and documenting the defect corruption. See, now here's, here's an interesting little somewhat of an equivocation in the situation you were in yesterday compared to what we would envision as a regular court setting for, say, a traffic ticket, some other infraction. You, your people, went through the process of the front end of due process of, of taking the already filed affidavit, which with the Secretary of State unrebutted, and submitting it, but you didn't have a prosecutor like you would in a regular court that congregates those cases and sends them to the courtroom. You're dealing in an administrative situation, and the person you're dealing with is the administrative agent, in this case, Child Protective Services, correct? Uh, this is exactly correct. The okay. court itself uh, supposedly posing as the agent for the executive office of the president. Well, the administrative agent is the prosecutor. She's the one that's got yeah. the case, the caseload, and there's not, as in the comparison, uh, a, a public prosecutor that you can go to and submit the affidavit and say these charges don't apply. You did that, these people did that in their setting by alerting the agent, which is the proper, proper way to do it. But I would say in this situation, now that we've analyzed it a little bit more and understand there's a difference, that when you the paper, the affidavit, and whatever cover documents were given to the agent, that they should have been sent to the district director and the regional director and maybe even the national director if there is such a thing. This sounds like federal and state. I'm not sure what the pecking order is, but maybe the way to circumvent her ignoring that, as has happened in this incident until it got to the administrative courtroom, which obviously it was in, would be to uh, uh, also put her supervisors on notice. Uh, very interesting aspect of what you just stated there, Roger. This is precisely the executive process, the administrative process of the Administrative Procedures Act, 5 U.S.C. 551 at SEC, the so-called headless fourth branch of government, and quotations by FDR, that became out of control and unmanageable. Colonel Edwin Mandel House's Philip Drew administrators scheme to control the world by the administrative process is a end around the constitutional preclusions to separation of powers in the states and the government. Well, that's because one. these are and, all. Well, when the people are property, they don't need those powers. All they need is they to have it look like those powers exist to fool the poor serfs. 
you're exactly right. This is an in-rim action against the race, the property, the trust, the uh, fictitious entity of the corporate property of Congress. And because these courts, they pose themselves acting for Congress, the de facto occupied Congress that was taken over and uh, many, many years ago, at least 1933, if not before, 1913 maybe, or even back to 1789. Uh, you know, and we know how these guys work. And for them, the first thing I believe they, after the government, I believe the first thing they went after was one of the, one of the first things was law schools. And they went out after them through the umbrella organization of the American Association of Colleges and Law Schools. And obviously, they were in firm control of that organization by 1933 and to be able to move that speech at that convention, all right, and move the convention to New Year's Eve. But also, at that point, they had had to have gone in there and started jerry-rigging with the curriculum so that they stop teaching jurisprudence and all these basic legal principles, which obviously used to be taught and in most places of the world still are taught today, that our people are totally ignorant of. In fact, there's an important case that addresses that very concept of jurisprudence, and it's called experimental jurisprudence in Henry Oliver. Uh, I think it's a Michigan case, Michigan or Minnesota, and it's a... This is basically a new form of legal ease that's been used to deceive the people and uh, let them think that the old system's still in place where they really overlaid it with a new system, that's, uh, boiling frogs, we own incrementalism. Um, I, I, I searched up that. It came up last week, that speech by Jerome Frank, who was the head legal counsel of, remember which, age, which department of government he came from to give that speech? The Department of uh, Agriculture. Okay, that's another thing that sticks out. And we go back and see they used the Department of Agriculture to run all the communists into the government. Uh, Harry Dexter White, uh, Alger Hiss, all those guys came in through Department of Agriculture. Well, it was the head legal counsel yeah, I- at the Department of Agriculture that gave this speech. His name was Jerome Frank. And we talked about it last week. And uh, Daryl sent me a, a message and, and wanted the speech. Well, I've got it saved somewhere on all this confusion of down hard drives and change computers, and I couldn't find it. I looked for it for a few minutes. I couldn't locate it. So then I went over to the search engine and put it in. It popped right up. It's in government documents, and I sent it out, sent it out to a couple people. I believe uh, Ron Gibson was one, but I certainly sent it to Daryl, and I sent it to um, Brent. And about Monday, I got a reply on instant message there and said, look, you you were right, Roger, or something to that effect. And so it may come up tomorrow because I believe he read that speech. And uh, the thing I've mentioned several times that it sticks in my mind every time it comes up is when we first stumbled on it and researched it, and I got a copy and sent it to Al Addisk. We were doing shows back then together. And Al's response, I'll never forget, he said, that's the most damning government document I've ever read. So maybe we'll get Brent's read on it tomorrow. Uh, interesting stuff. It's all right there. You know, you can see they've put it in front of our face, and they've they have followed. They have a mandate. Okay, 
believe it or not, these people do have some form. We wouldn't call them morals and ethics, but they've got some guidelines that they follow, okay? Uh, maybe deteriorated, antithetical morals and ethics. But one of them is that they've got to tell us what they're going to do to us. And they follow that. You can see example after example of it. Okay? Um, the other thing that I, I find very interesting that has come out of these shows and these wonderful discussions that we're able to have and the collectivization of good minds was it hit me. You know, Brent said one day, anything's easy once you know the basics. Said that years ago on a show we were talking about it. And so what you I think happens is you start stuffing enough into your mind of all these different facts, which may seem even at the time somewhat unconnected. And at some point down the line, all that's in your subconscious, and you've become power empowered because your subconscious and your conscious are now working together because you've untied a lot of these knots, and your mind just gives you answers. Okay, And that's what happened in this incident. And I've talked about it a time or two on the air, but it's really important because it's their MO, and we know it, and you can see it historically, and you go back and prove it. And that's the fact that in their approach to these devious things they do, these nefarious deeds that they pull off when they're doing it in legislation and they always put the hook at the front. Now I can name you right off the top of my head. I can name you three. Okay. One's the 14th amendment, all persons born, the whole scams in the first three words, all persons born. And you read the rest of the amendment. It's got other stuff. It's got no, nobody's got the, can question the national debt. That's down there in the 14th Amendment buried in there. The privileges and immunities clause part is buried in there. But the whole thing starts in the first three words, all persons born. The scam to control the world was set up in the first three words. You go back to, yesterday mentioned it yesterday. Title 26, the Income Tax Code Regulations, Title 26 CFR, 1.1-1A, right there at the front, on the front page. If you open up the front cover, it's right up there on the top right. It's that close to the front, okay? And it says right there, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents, and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non, all U.S. national individuals. Of course, that's not what it says says, but that is what it says, okay? All state citizen individuals, you know, the status we've hidden over there on the other side of the world in American Samoa, right there at the front of the page. Here comes Daryl. Let's see if we can get Skype working with Daryl coming in here. Waits till the last fifteen Ooh. minutes. Waits till the last fifteen minutes to join us. <laughs> uh, the other one that comes right off the top of my head is the Nationality Act of 1940, over in the Statutes at Large. Here's this long act that sets all this up, and right there in the first definition is the whole scam. A U.S. national is a person who owes total allegiance to a small s state. There's the whole statement right there. It's the very first thing printed in the act. So they always take the hook and they always put it at the front. And then they put a voluminous bunch of crap behind it, which everybody delves into, discusses, argues about, and all that stuff for years. And the hook they passed when they opened the cover. M-O, M-O, M-O. This is how they do things. Hey, Daryl. Well, along that 
same line, Roger, if you've got Daryl, I'll gladly yield. But when you look in all their books, their law books, their treatises, their all this stuff that the government writes, the acts, the statutes at large, the, the codes, they all have a preface. The dictionary has a preface. There are important linguistic, semantic word tricks in the preface tell you that set the form for the whole book that most people overlook. They're very slimy. Hey, Daryl. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, experimental jurisprudence. Uh, it's a pretty interesting read. And uh, yeah, contained within it is some of the most interesting language. Yes, it is. Uh, I've, ever, I've ever read. I can't really recall... Uh, of the tens of thousands of pages I've read, a a particular form of writing style or or speaking style that uh, Jerome Frank employs is uh, unique in all the reading I've ever read, <laughs> and uh, I, I had to basically slow up a little bit and uh, try to. Uh, digest how he was uh, preparing the meal, so to speak. And how about, uh, how about as he was setting the table, going, "Oh, all the old fuddy duddies in the old way of thinking. They want to go home at five o'clock and on Friday, but the new progressives stay late into the night and burn the midnight oil and work over the weekends to bring in the new agenda. Didn't say agenda, but to bring in the new system." Right? Wasn't there some of that in there? Yeah, there's actually actually uh, quite a bit of it. Uh, you know, going back to what Chris and you were referring to is uh, uh, the terms and conditions and definitions. Well, this is what Jerome Frank does for the first page and a half, I say, was uh, setting, the, setting the premise, setting the stage, and um, adjusting the semantics. <clears throat> well, so he builds on that as he continues on for eight pages, and uh, he he brings out new word associations. Uh, the the new word that he applies to uh, the uh, uh, jurisprudence is uh, uh, experimentalists, and uh, the uh, new order versus the old order, or the old ways. Uh, or the folk ways, yes. And uh, these are these are impugned and uh, in, in rather flowery language. And uh, also understand at the very time that he is making uh, the speech, there is this huge movement uh, under uh, at the time it was rather huge. It was called technocracy. Yes. And and technocracy was going to make its way into uh, the uh, the New Deal, but they didn't have the technology for their technocracy. <laughs> well, now they do. Oh, they did it. They they did. They wanted to do it then, but they didn't have the technology for their technocracy. Now they do. This is why you might want to read this. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, adjust your fine tune your perspective here. Is that? Listen, they, they didn't let go of any of their agenda here, okay? None of their agenda has ever been uh, let go of. You know, uh, most people think about 
remember glimpses of yesterday. Think about what they might do tomorrow and assume the rest of it's going to work the way it always did. And these people operate off a of generational wealth and agenda. Um, you know, um, remember back. My dog doesn't to, know I have. They, they tried yeah. to pull this in the 20s. And instead of drugs, they had alcohol. And instead of the pill, they had back alley abortions, and it was bloody and messy like the Bolshevik Revolution. And they have put those concepts of control on the back burner until the technology and the development of science has gotten to a point where they can utilize them again in a different approach. Well, you know, I, I want to draw this out a little bit, is that the days that were uh, had that intent, objective, and agenda are dead. I want to repeat that. Those days are dead, but, but, but who, who isn't dead? Well, their children and their associates and their progeny. And if you don't think that this isn't generational, then you're fooling yourself. You have missed the plot. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you have to be reminded yeah. that uh, this, this is the days are uh, in perpetuity. Uh, and their hereditament, they they are the inheritors, and and you have lost yours. Okay, could, could you've I, been usurped. Could I say Adam Schiff? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I I couldn't be, use a better example. That is about as spot on as it gets. So, uh, well, he has children. What Soros's kid? Uh, oh on and so forth. Uh, and then you have those that are of the same spirit uh, because now they're invested, uh, they're invested in, in their generational success to their, onto their. Now, uh, these are the bureaucrats uh, and the legal aristocrats and they have become, they have become, these aren't the elite, okay? I, I'm tired of this term elite. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I, I had to find something else because I didn't like it. Because they're not elite. Uh, these are these are the neo demigods. These are demigods. They they see themselves as gods of of small g's, and they have gone through apotheosis where they have arisen, and uh, <clears throat> uh, so they're not elite, but they are demigods. They are powers and principalities. They think they're elite. Well, Demon they gods. Think, they think. They think they're elite because they can conjure up all these things to enslave you and all this stuff and fabricate all this wealth out of, out of it, and they think they're elite because of that. And they think because of that and the fact that you're still groveling in the trenches that you're nothing but a stupid serf, beast of burden. Well... Uh, you know, a, a, a demigod is a demigod is a uh, is a, a small sect, a small group. Uh, most elite systems are incapable of sustaining themselves. Yes. In an actually elite environment, so an elite an elite class of people at the time who thought they were elite were the Spartans. They were the elite. Well, they didn't last, did they? Well, Americans, uh, somewhere in the back of their mind, in their romantic, nostalgic, uh, unconscious idea of who they are, have kind of thought they were elite, and and this is why they kind of, you know, the uh, uh, 
indispensable and exceptional American, okay, which justifies all, all the garbage and the facilitation of a, a, their complicity with corruption because they thought they were elite. Well, we so. know here that we're not elite because we know from the whistler that we're not inexpendable because <laughs> we're going to fix them to expend here on our two hours. But I would offer and proffer that you could continue one more hour of bonus time with Jim Ram, who's following us today if he's not playing a replay. And you'll probably hear talk about coronavirus and health and all those kind of things. We're going to be back tomorrow with Mr. Brent, and I would suspicion that we may continue on this experimental jurisprudence and the New Deal theme. We'll see what's on Brent's mind about it. You guys have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow, and thanks for your participation. And if you didn't participate, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Daryl. Have a virus-free day. You bet. Virus-free days. Yeah, Yeah. virus-free. 213. Just think it could have been the 13th tomorrow. Okay. It's Thursday, 21320. See y'all tomorrow with Brent. Ciao.